0: Welcome to The Crone's Porch, Magic, Bitchcraft, and a Liminal Approach to Magical Faith. This is your grandmother's podcast.
1: Content warning on the use of colorful language, lots of complaining, and general curmudgeonry. These are our opinions, our, are our own, which we wish to express as individuals on a crone path. In this episode,
0: Ancestors.
1: <laughs> uh, hi, Ian. Hi, Colin. How are you on this lovely day? in pandemic day six hundred and seventy four.
0: You mean year six hundred and seventy four. Um <laughs> I'm good. I'm a little bit tired loopy, so this should make things more interesting.
1: How That's when you? we do our best work. It's true. Uh I'm doing good. I got a flu shot today. Did my loop so progressive <laughs> I was productive today in my own bodily health. I got a flu shot. It was actually pretty easy to get a flu shot. I thought it was gonna be more difficult considering the state of the world or at least the state of America, but yeah. True. Oh, there was a really funny meme that I saw about pandemic and it was uh, was like December 31st at 11 59 PM. And then it turns over to midnight. And instead of being January 1st, 2021, it's just uh, the 13th month day one of 2020. I remember I was just (laughs) like, oh no, (laughs) the nightmare continues. That That one's funny. it continues. It does continue. All right. As uh, always, what we drinking?
0: I am boring and I'm drinking a 1911 non-spawn rosé. Um, Ooh, fancy. It, it smells good. We're quite cultured on this show. What what you drinking?
1: Uh, I also continuing on the 1911 train non-spawn, but I am drinking... Um, I don't know if the, this is, it comes out every year. I've never seen it before, but they're... Uh, New York State Fair edition of Sweet Apple, um, which I never had at Excellent. the fair, but since I can't go to the fair this year and the fair has already passed, um, living that dream. So, uh, cheers.
0: Cheers. Slime ah.
1: Excellent. All right. Well, it's our favorite time of year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's fall. And also post Maybon.
0: <laughs> it is. It's sellin' season, and it fills me with such joy. Going outside is glorious.
1: It's true. Um, my favorite time of year is Cone roughly month. from Maybon to well to Yule. That like time of year is the best time of year.
0: I would say. I would say that yeah, my favorite time of year, if I was to do between holiday and holiday, would be um, Mabin to Imilk. Is like prime crone season. Mm
1: -hmm. Oh, yeah. (laughs) After Yule for my crones gets the angry, bitter, nightmarish season, which, you know, spiritually (laughs) is fulfilling and full of hardships and growth, but uh, fun-wise, not so much. Not that fun.
0: Yeah, I would say that for me, like, there are two struggle bus times of year, and so the struggle bus times of year are between Lunasa and Mavin, and then between... Like, Imulcan Beltana. It's like, struggle season.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, uh, this episode, obviously being post Maybon pre-Sowen time, um, this is the time of year to talk about one of my favorite topics. Also, one of the most controversial topics, for some reason, in magic circles. It's ancestors. Bum bum. Yeah. Bum.
0: <laughs> Probably controversial because it's messy.
1: It really is. So calm, what is what what's an ancestor to you?
0: Okay, so an ancestor to my mind is someone who is a significant impact on your existence and self. Generally is related to you by blood or Adoption like found family or blood family and is sometimes like a mentor or someone who kind of was a guide to you in okay. a very significant way. But someone who has a someone or someones who have a very large impact on your life and bec- how you became who you are. Um, in my case, I would say my ancestors would be my blood family. Um, then my step grandfather and I say there's some there is a tenuous ancestral connection between me and queer people of the past, but it's not as pronounced I would say. Awesome. It it doesn't have such a huge impact on on me um
1: as the others. Yeah. That's beautiful. Poetic. Put it on a T shirt.
0: <laughs> That's a really long message for a T shirt.
1: <laughs> I've seen T shirts with longer messages, so you're safe.
0: <laughs> That's fair. Um, is there, would you feel like there's any difference for you for Ancestors, or do you think uh, that's pretty accurate for what you experience?
1: I think that's pretty accurate to what I experience. I boil it down to really just those who came before you in some, in a similar way, in some direct line, whether that's by family or by community. Uh, and, uh, yeah, I pan out pretty much the same way. I have a little bit of a stronger connection in queer community, but that's just uh, because of what, you know, shook out of the tree of becoming part of queer community and undergrad. I just got like really into it and really into like ancestry, you know, so trans ancestors, those who walked the trans life before us, who walked after us. Um, But yeah, I try to boil it down to just like those who came before. I think I say that (laughs) every time I invoke ancestors, that's just what I call those who came before and then leave that, that meaning up to the individual in whoever is in circle when I do that. But yeah, so it's very similar, definitely.
0: That, the, yeah, that that feels about right to me as well. Mm-hmm. So how should we go about laying out our crony, crone, cronum oh, thoughts yeah. on Ancestors?
1: Uh, I feel like a crone's gonna start somewhere in the middle So I think the middle question is, what do you, what do you, what do you do with ancestors? Like, what are ancestors important for?
0: Ah, that's a great, great. That's like a middle question. (laughs) I, I think so. I feel like, hmm. So what I would say is, like, in terms of my personal perspective and how I, how I approach it is, is I think ancestors are really great way for me to start to establish like a cl- clear magical identity mm-hmm. um because of we've discussed before on how you know the construct of whiteness takes people uh, takes people away people's ethnicities mm-hmm. um and so ancestors to me are a really clear way to start re-establishing an ethnic background and in my case that's a very Scottish one because that's the thread that I that I have just I've just clung on to that makes the most sense to me so how I use ancestors is kind of as a I don't do a ton of really intentional ancestor work but more I just take for granted that my ancestors are with me and that work happens in a more passive way it happens in, in like a I know they're there and I'm just letting their influence sleep and in, seep into my bones um and try to follow up on that thread as i go so for me it's like a it's a it's a lifeline to a true authentic identity i also think that they're very useful in if you don't feel comfortable trusting a deity with something or you don't feel like you have that relationship then your ancestors are down for whatever like Mm -hmm. they are happy to deal with you however you need you need dealt with so that's a really great way do you have any any answers that you think
1: are important like that? I'm um, definitely on the same path of ancestors are a really great way as a white person to combat the pervasiveness of whiteness because it gives you a clear thread to connect to something outside of white, which is really powerful for someone in the United States, a white person in the United yeah. States. Um, I also really just, uh, you know, I think it's my default answer whenever I meet someone who's new in this work um like new into magical faiths or new into this kind of realm of religious beliefs i always just tell them to follow your ancestors and that's not a you know uh, ancestors work is the secret to magical work i just ancestors for me lay out a really clear start point like they're the beginning they're those who came before you their beliefs are going to be potent in your life simply because Whether or not that's the path you end up following, it's just a path that has been followed in your connection. So it's a path that is always available to you. Um, So they just, for me, represent really clear beginnings. If you don't know where to start, check out your family tree. That's how I started. My family tree is mostly Western Slavic. Lots of Poles, lots of uh, Czechoslovakians. And so I was just like, oh, here's a good place to start because someone probably walked it before me. And it turned out to be amazing. It's the path that I stayed on. No, it doesn't work that way for everyone. But again, they're just really good start points. Ancestors did it before you. They're a really good roadmap.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's really, really true. And I think it's an interesting way to explore the influences in your life. Mm-hmm. Like, Ancestors can pick up on a lot that you can't pick up on. So, sometimes if you're feeling confused and you're not sure where to go, the best place to get a pep talk or a bitch slap is from your ancestors, (laughs) um, and it really depends on your, your interactions with them, because there's also, to say, not all ancestor experiences are positive ones, especially if you have really shitty ancestors, (laughs) and from that point, like, I have some really, really shitty ancestors, and I don't like dealing with them, but they provide a really interesting set of lessons to pull from and I appreciate that even if I don't like the ancestors who are really shitty because they really are negative presence.
1: So I guess the crone the crone way would bring us back to the beginning I mean we talked about what ancestors are to us but I guess there's the question of what? What, not what are yeah what are ancestors? What do they exist as? How do they come to be? And I think for me, I think of ancestors kind of into in two pieces. One are like immediate family members who have passed. The ones who um, are just kind of post post life. Um, whether that's, you know, uh, very post-life of someone who just recently passed or, you know, even upwards of 10, 20, 30 years. But those who are in in, in people's recent living memories, um, those are like one set of ancestors because they, for me, they retain pretty solid you know, ethereal forms—they're really distinct in their personalities. They still have some of that life essence, and they're able to, like, you're able to connect to grandparents and even some great grandparents. Um, and then there's the second set—the more amorphous, for me, the amorphous set of ancestors, which are like the ones thousands of years ago, hundreds of years ago, the ones in nobody's living memory that maybe have distinct personalities if they were able to keep some semblance of form, but really kind of devolve into that thing of their—they really exist as a collection of lessons from their life. That might have some personality, but really exists to be. This is what my life was. This is what it learned. This is what I pass on to you. Sometimes good, and sometimes bad. So I, I, that's what I think of as those kind of two sets of ancestors. And I think that works for both blood ancestors and community ancestors, um, kind of in that way. What about you? What do you think of, like, what it, what are and what is an ancestor?
0: Yeah, I would I would agree that that ancestors kind of exist in ancestor soup. um and everyone carries around a big old pot of ancestor soup which is part of what makes you who you are and then when you die generally unless your religious beliefs have a very specific afterlife in which like godspeed um i i believe you go and you join as like a dumpling in the ancestor soup um and that your people and ancestors retain their personality based on living memory like you said so the further you are from living memory the less distinctive individualism you have Mm. and for me um accessing those those parts of the soup is more like you're getting a part of the soup and not necessarily like it's not like it's like a very distinct ghost it's more like this is a part of the soup who can interact with you and you exist as part of it too in a way you just happen yeah. to be the strongest influence because you are in a physical body and physical bodies are as we've also described before like giant magic batteries which give yeah. us a lot of potency and then and and so you can be a living ancestor in a way i think if someone invokes you who's alive like you have like a niece or nephew who invokes you as an ancestor like you can sort of show up as an ancestor i've never actually like had that experience but i think that it's possible to be a living ancestor it's yeah. just Different. That makes
1: sense. I don't I've never had that experience either. I'd be interested in trying it out, but again, there's no one in my life that would invoke me as a living ancestor. (laughs) Or who has the the spiritual background to want to invoke me as a physical ancestor, especially when they can just call me. That'd be an interesting way of calling up your your, like grandparents. (laughs) Just like I invoke them instead of calling them on the phone.
0: (laughs) Right. So yeah, that's my theory is is the power of ancestor soup or I whatever like form of, whatever form of, um, of course this is coming from a very Scottish bias. So of course it's going to be stew. But um, whatever <laughs> form of ancestral mixed meal you would like to be, like it could be, you know, you could have it be like an ancestral pierogi, or well, in your case, like ancestral bigos, or um, um
1: that holiday. sort of thing. Like could, I,
0: <laughs> I, I would, I holiday. would describe it. I would describe it in terms of food because ultimately one of the most universal human things is the fact that we share food together as families so that's how i like to characterize it to make it more accessible to myself and i think it's a very useful way to conceptualize it
1: yeah i think so let's take a little deep not detour but let's take a little turn into communal ancestor because we talk about Mm. it so plainly because it's just so ingrained in us but i don't think not all of our listeners probably have that ingrained in them. So I think we should be a little bit more clear about communal ancestors or like non-blood ancestry. Right. Um, so you talked a and little bit about- this is where it gets
0: more controversial.
1: Yeah, this is where it gets a little more controversial. So you talked a little bit about um, not having so much of a communal ancestry and like in queer spaces, but what types of, what non-familial non-famil- or blood ancestry do you identify with?
0: Um, I do identify with a queer ancestry but again it gets controversial because the people who i idolize the most are um people of color in history Mm -hmm. and we will discuss about how problematic communal ancestors can get um so for me like the i I think of communal ancestors more in the idea of legacy than in the ancestor soup because the ancestor soup is super personal Whereas I think someone's legacy can be more accessible to people of various backgrounds. Mm. So I think more upon the legacy of, so for me, like Sylvia Rivera and Marsha P. Johnson are what I aspire to. Mm-hmm. um. And so I think in terms of that is I look up to their legacy and I want to live up to that legacy. But so for me, yeah, the communalness, the queer ancestry um, also a sort of, I think that there's a level of, of, greatness that comes from almost a an unspecified legacy so like in in understanding of of someone's of someone's situation so i think a lot of people and correct me if you've had a different experience but a lot of people who have oppressed identities feel very strong connections to the feelings of peoples in the past who share oppressed identities so queer people people of color i can't speak to that experience but i know for like like disability, and all these sorts of things, I and even for our like magical faith, like you get it, you may not always agree with them, you may not feel they're super present, but you get it and you feel a connection to that legacy that is not accessible to someone who hasn't had to have that lived experience. So no, that's yeah. more my approach to communal ancestry.
1: No, yeah, and I definitely, that's really, that sums up I think my experience. Um in that, being able to identify in a legacy and invoke power. I also just realized that I don't, I can't remember if it was distinctly that, but I actually do have an experience with <laughs> invoking living ancestors. I don't know if it was potent, but I have been in, in situations where, um, so undergraduate programs or undergraduate clubs, things that turn over, sometimes will invoke their past leadership in an ancestral kind of manner. A president from like six, seven years ago who was iconic or who developed the main idea of what the organization is today. A founder, um, being in fraternity, that's a big thing. Uh, you know, founders, you invoke some some dead, some not, depending on the age of the organization. So I actually do have experience with living ancestors. I just didn't realize it because I hadn't thought about it in that way. Uh, but yeah, very similar in that uh, struggle sometimes. Struggle creates bonds that act in similar ways to blood ancestors. Um, and so you can pull on them, invoke their lessons. Um, it becomes controversial when you invoke, especially as a white person, when you invoke folks of color, um, which we will get into a much more uh, obvious problematic area of that. But I think there is also like the idea of, I guess, good faith invocation. It's like a few... How no, it wasn't this past year. Two years ago, did uh, a transgender day of remembrance ritual because not gonna just let Christians have a uh, religious service because we're also here and we're queer. <laughs> um, I actually did invoke um, uh Marshall P. Johnson and Sylvia Rivera, but again, it was in a uh, more symbolic. Here are here's a legacy of power to connect with and help honor those who have been lost, who are also trans women of color. So there's a connection there too. Right. So there's like an element of good faith invocation. It's not the whole cookie. Again, super complicated. Probably will change its, I change its rulings in like five years. We'll say something different, but yeah, that's been my experience. That was a little bit. Yeah. Of a and
0: I think another, <laughs> another, Oh, geez. Another good area to think about in that is also in terms of like group participation. So I know that can come through very strongly in like a military aspect, like if you're part of a unit, Mm
1: -hmm. there's a
0: lot of history that comes along with that. And so being part of that shared legacy and power, I flatter ourselves to think that you and I will become living ancestors to (laughs) the (laughs) Pagan student circle good
1: because, luck to them when they invoke us because i'm gonna show I up know. squirt them in the face with seltzer water and then uh looney tunes my way out
0: <laughs> that's because you are a child of valus Ve- dear um yes.
1: yeah but, so but, sorry sorry to future No. <laughs> future students
0: but so that can also be a uh, an ancestral experience is if you're invoking a group identity so that's a, not, not necessarily a, a based on oppression or shared resistance, but more on a activities or a, a shared a shared identity forged through some 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 sort of I'm, I'd say symbolic process. So often there's a symbol symbolism involved. Um, yeah. With all that said, we should probably <laughs> go into the
1: problematic
0: aspects of ancestor work and then move on to specific examples of how ancestor work
1: can work. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, yeah. We'll end with mechanics because that seems like the the juicy educational bit. So people have to watch through this episode, which is now roughly in the 20 minutes. And keep going if you want to hear the lessons. <laughs> Stay tuned. That feels Uh, like a
0: very engineering lecture.
1: Oh, true. I've had engineering professors who will, like, date you the whole semester. When will we learn how to do thermo? Probably right before the final. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. Ancestor work is controversial. Um, Colin, how is it... (laughs) I'm guessing like, how has it been controversial for you? That's not a very clear question, but uh, what ancestor it. controversies do you identify?
0: Okay. So um, my big thing is about, um, and you know, I'm going to, to um, actually cite a very specific person to talk to start off this conversation because they wrote a really wonderful um, article and I think it's it's, it's really, uh, so I, this person did a really good rundown of my kind of feelings on this in a way is, so it's by Kyle Powell White, mm-hmm. um, who is a writer um, about social justice in, in an, uh, the context of indigenous peoples. Um, and the article I'm, I'm citing specifically is White Allies, Let's Be Honest About Decolonization. And in that article, um uh powers white points out that um the spiritual life of white people can't exist without a history of black labor but also without stolen land and i feel like as people of a magical faith that goes doubly so since our area of of spiritual life is often the land itself and so i feel very strongly that we have to be aware and continually developing our awareness Mm -hmm. of the of the situations in which our magic is so for someone like you and i who are of a very white identity um we have to be aware of how our magic is based upon stolen land Mm -hmm. coerced black labor Mm -hmm. um the stripping of ethnicity from immigrants these ideas the the even though we reject Christianity there's still yep. a Christian lens because those that's the faith that appropriated our ancestors' faith that we are trying to reclaim. Yep. Um so there we have to contend with these issues and so being really callous and I'm going to call it callous about how we invoke ancestors and legacies is really can be really damaging because there's a lot of areas of ancestral work that just aren't ours to access. So for instance, those legacies of people of color, those ancestors that are maybe communal, but they are from groups who we have been, our ancestors have been oppressors towards, is not ours to access and doing so, we it may be successful for what we want to do, but that doesn't make it moral. So for me, the problematic comes in, there is, it's almost appropriating the dead And I feel really, really strongly that that's not okay. Like, that's why I get red-faced mad when I see white people and white businesses appropriating Day of the Dead. Because that is not, not only is that cultural appropriation, that is appropriation of a spiritual practice focused on people's ancestors and legacies, and it's not okay. It's incredibly racist, it's incredibly insulting, and it's incredibly damaging. And I feel very strongly that it's not okay. Mm-hmm. So that is my big take. Do you have <laughs> something to add?
1: Uh, honestly, hit, hit the nail on the head. I think there's also... I think we can add in there... Um, oh, where am I going on this train of thought? Train, don't leave. Don't leave the station. I'm not on it yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's something to be... Exactly. I think I think that I really like that framework of appropriating the dead. I think that uh really wraps up not exactly neatly, but it fits all of the the pieces of the problematic ways in which white folk, um, especially white folks in magical faith, just throw around the dead and their legacies. Oh like yeah. Child play toys, like I'm just gonna do this here. Um and again, it's super controversial, like I evoked Marsha P. Johnson, and Sylvia Rivera. I definitely, def, definitely did it in a deity-esque focus of invoking the the power and the legacy, not them specifically. Like it was very much in a legacy focus. Um, but that still doesn't make it like that doesn't square the square the circle um, exactly neatly. Um, so it's it's definitely controversial and definitely messy, and there's really no good way to go about it. In, no, uh, but there's definitely better yeah. than other ways to go about it, and especially uh, like we're we're in a really a really uh, I keep saying it. And I've some other magically inclined friends have noticed it, and we've talked about it. Like we're in a really strange time in terms of. uh I mean, this has happened in other points in history, but we're in a in a strange time in which a lot of people. Have died in a short period of time, and there have been not many opportunities to yeah. do proper burial. So that is lingering, and there are people who are seeking to use that to their power and their advantage without addressing the implications of their identity in that, and that makes me hopping mad because it's ignore. There are so many identity inter intersections there that must be named and gone through. But even ignoring all that, it's just fucking rude to just drag people who have not been allowed proper burial to fund or forward your damn ass, your mission, which won't even, okay, well, a slight tangent, but won't even work <laughs> by doing it that way. Um, but we, th- we throw around the dead so casually. Like I invoke ancestors kind of casually, but that's family. Especially like blood ancestors. That's family. That's me. I can do that. But like, we just throw around the dead so casually as if they're just like a magical tool chest. Like, it takes a lot of work to develop an ancestral practice. Even if yours ends up being casual, there's still a lot of interrogation that has to go into thinking the practice before you can get to Uh, casually throwing out your ancestors, throwing your ancestors around.
0: Yeah. And it's so hot take but so the the practice of necromancy in the fantasy version is fucking great it's hilarious it's, it's awesome been, it's impressive
1: there too it's ne- just necromancy. within a story oh, yes.
0: no but the thing is is that in a fantasy version like D D, great fine no consequences because it's all fake real life necromancy which is working with the dead needs to be taken really fucking seriously it's not a game it's not a toy if you're going to do it, you need to be able to do it right and it should be done by consent, which is why using your own ancestors cuz they're already there, they're already doing that shit, is fine. But <laughs> when you're starting to use other dead that have nothing to do with you or shouldn't have anything to do with you because of how you relate to them in terms of history and context, that's being incredibly shitty. Um and that's basically causing a dead person to act as your servitor, which is a form of shitty Christian magic that we shouldn't be doing to begin with. Yes, I'm sorry to people who use a Christian or high ritual magic frame, but I'm sorry, I think it's shitty. Um <laughs> we just love the high it,
1: the high drama, not the Oh, the
0: high drama is great. It's indentured fine. servitude. <laughs> but in any form of but in any form of indenturement magic, so be that demons or the dead or whatever, it's shitty. It's it really is. it's not it's not yeah. quite as the same as doing that to human is living human beings, but it's def- still definitely shitty. And the, and the arrogance to do it, the arrogance yeah. to try, is yes.
1: ridiculous. That's what I was going to say. Like let's hubris, go farther. The, the hubris. hubris to think that you can pull an, ans- uh, an someone's ancestor that isn't related to you or connected to you by some community communal capacity, that you can just pull them is such a hubris. Like I. I beg to, I beg that that practice would even work. I don't, like, to say no. that, especially as a white person, that your power exists in that world the same as it does in the in the physical world is, again, white hubris. You're not that powerful, per, white person who wants to do magic calling upon the 200,000 dead from coronavirus. You're not that powerful. Fuck off. <laughs>
0: no and i will say also that okay so i we've talked about on the show a little bit about my opinions of ghosts but if you're going to go into a situation where you think there's a ghost which in most cases there isn't there's either a rational explanation or fair folk (laughs) but let's say for the sake of argument there's a ghost a don't go in there being rude because how would you like someone to come into your living room And start fucking with you a b don't do fucking magic with a ghost without its fucking consent because that's being another shitty person don't Uh do it yes if you want to interact if there is a ghost and you want to interact with it fair enough i'm not gonna judge you for that if you're gonna try to do magic with a ghost without the ghost's consent that's shitty sorry it's shitty (laughs) <laughs> yeah that's what Ouija boards are for. They're like cell phones to the other world. Just give it a shot, you know, And I mean, we should do a special about Ouija boards because there's a whole bunch of other things that you should know before you use one <laughs> and no, they're not portals to hell or any other place. They're literally cell phones. As long as you hang up when you're done, you're fine, or you're just gonna get like roaming charges. Magical
1: Roman characters. <laughs> um magical Roman so characters. yeah nonsense.
0: no i'm very feel very very strongly on this topic about being a moral magic person and this is a lot of the morality that i'm very strong about like this is part of why i'm really okay with divesting from a pagan identity because there's a lot of morally fucking quagmired shit that goes on with just normative pagan spaces like Just the assumptions and the hubris of what you can and can't do and what's okay because, oh, I have an oppressed identity by being pagan. Sure you do, straight, cis, white, fucking asshole. Yeah, that one little thing you're not actually that oppressed for is definitely equal to the history of slavery or the Uh clearing of indigenous peoples and genocide. Or the, yeah. or the uh, constant oppression of people who were Spanish-speaking and lived in what is now the United States hundreds of years before Anglophile English-speaking people were here. Go <laughs> fuck yourself. Yeah. Ugh. And a and lot I of say this is... with... I say <laughs> this with the... Sorry. I say this with also the understanding that, like, there is a level of arrogance and irony to me being who i am saying these things but i'd like to think of it as part of my growth process so please excuse me for being really really mad about it
1: well i was gonna say that this is like uh at least for me in my experience my my viewpoints on this and my rage much like your rage mine comes from the collective lessons of other people being mad at me and like slapping the fuck out of me and getting getting my act together um so hopefully this like rage is a is a valid a valid response to this because hopefully it causes some other white person to listen to this podcast to if if you're doing this to get your fucking act together that it's just not okay and we don't have to you know calmly walk around the issue and be a guiding hand at all times sometimes that guiding hand can slap you across the face
0: it's true and if you're too if you're going to approach me with like i've been doing this thing and i i see that like i feel like it's not a not moral or you feel that it's not moral and i really want to discuss it i'm happy to have a really heartfelt non-judgmental discussion with you about it like
1: because it'll be please in good faith. <laughs> get into contact
0: with me in That's, good faith yeah but th- what i'm approaching with is just the rage of having to of having to make these comments in such a good faith context, and then be shut, then be shut, oh, then be shut yeah. down immediately because you don't want to face it, and that's the same sort of situation. Like I am not, I am definitely not um, someone who has not been the perpetrator in that case oh, yeah. of being a really shitty person, and then having to be called out for it. It's not fun. It's not comfortable. It made me feel really bad for a while but it was a place of growth that made me a better person and more of who i am today than i was then so i am I, I want everyone to be able to own that and that's a huge part of spiritual life and ancestor work like from personal experience i have multiple ancestors who were in the early even pre-american military who were perpetrators of genocide against indigenous peoples in the united in in the united states new york mm-hmm. specifically yep. those are the ancestors i was talking about when i said shitty shitty ancestors who i don't like to think about or work with mm-hmm. but they are a lesson they are a reason why i should be involved in social justice because there's a lot in my ancestry that needs to be made up for and repaired from yeah so being willing to face that challenge is important and you're gonna have bad days like you're gonna have days where you can't do it That's fine, as long as you're committed to continuing. You can have a month of being like, I can't deal with anything. And you know what? Some people are not going to like that, and it's going to be how it is. But if you're willing to come out the other side of it and recommit, great, awesome. You're doing what you're supposed to be doing.
1: Yeah, I've had it on my brain for a while. I actually should put pen to paper or fingers to keys. In a digital world, um, of writing a, a think piece, uh, uh, about commitment as magical faith. That 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 concept more so than even the DDs I work with. The the commitment piece is like central to my practice, um, and then the other stuff is just contextual to who I am that day. Uh, so I should write pen to paper because yes,
0: yeah, you absolutely should. And correct me if you have a different opinion, Ian. But I also think that, as unfortunate as it may be, in a world where there's a lot of suffering. This process isn't going to be quick. None no, of no. It. None We've of talked gonna about it. That... It's going to take a very long time, and it's and you're gonna feel bad or inadequate at times, and it's going to be overwhelming. But, but... again, just <laughs> sticking to it. Is it's really part of the ancestor critical. work. It as is. a as a way it to is.
1: transition us into talking about mechanics and actually doing ancestor work, you might not be able to solve the problems of squaring the circle of your ancestors being genocide perpetrators but you yourself can become an ancestor of the reparations that are coming you might not see them uh, created nor actualized it might even be hopefully not but you know time it might be outside of when you exist in living memory, but you become a part of rewriting the, not rewriting, but of adding a new layer into your ancestor work. Like think, I like to think about it in that way. Might not do it in my lifetime, but I become a part of the ancestry that will get it done because I then become a lesson that future generations, whether blood related or not, maybe communal can pull on as a lesson or a source of power or a source of continuing work. Like, we can, the crone way thinks about it outside of time. <laughs> Preach. Fuck time. <laughs> Not really. But time yes, fuck time. Weird. Time is a capitalist construct. <laughs> it is. It is. Um,
0: so moving into the mechanics, Ian, would you like to describe what you think is most effective for ancestor work mechanically? Uh,
1: so I think... I do, I think the most potent practices for me are one, ancestor altars, and then two, utilizing pathwork, journey work, altered mind state, however you want to label it as uh, a telephone for direct ancestor work. Um, ancestor altars is just creating altars that honor ancestors. It's pretty like you would make an altar to a deity, like Christians have altars to Jesus. Um It's just making an altar for your ancestors to honor them and uh, give them offerings to empower them and continue on the legacy. Um, That might be a family one, which you can then use awesome family photos. You can use family heirlooms. That's cool. You can also build them communally. Um, I don't have one that's official, but I keep some amazing queer texts usually in a specific place with uh, maybe near a candle or with some other offering-esque things to make like an uh, alter to queer culture and to queer community and to those ancestors um and then journey work is That's just awesome. yeah <laughs> and then journey work path work altered mindsets uh just for me that because uh, again i'm a, a pretty visual uh visual experiential learner and so being able to uh whether you think they're real or not be in situations of in contact with actual ancestors, whether they're just kind of amorphous soup, uh, the broth of ancestors, the ones who don't have living memory to exist in anymore, who've just dissolved into the broth um whether it's broth ancestors or meaty bit ancestors you still have some physical form i just like journey work for being able to like do direct connections um and sometimes that's i've gone to uh ancestral homes inside my ritual space where it's a little polish cottage with uh, lots of pretty flowers very much midsummer aesthetic which is why midsummer i think was so uh so beautiful <laughs> to me um very Uh, midsummer aesthetic but i've gone to ancestral homes there and just been among amorphous uh polish ancestors who provided some lessons on fun and drinking vodka (laughs) Uh, but those are my two my two things uh
0: colin what about you um for me it's a little bit less intense i think it's more for me like i see my ancestors in terms of like Yes, there's the soup, and then from the soup, there's also kind of strings for me to follow. Mm-hmm. And w- there's always a, a time when I will find different areas of different strings that are interesting. Like, every once in a while, I will find a place on the Polish string that I find interesting. Like, you introduced me to Marzana's day. That was neat. Um, you know, I, we always did De Alleluia, and the breaking of the the, the, the the Puatek at Easter in my family. Um, and sing, we all sing. We all sing the Polish happy birthday at mm. birthdays. Um, but for me, it's also spooling in the thread that makes the most sense. For for me, that's just being Scottish, defiantly, openly, sometimes mm. inaccurately Scottish,
1: <laughs> sometimes um, stubbornly.
0: Yes, yeah, so, always stubbornly. But <laughs> um, but so for me, it's it's more about soaking in what my ancestry means to me. And for that, it's it's really about discovering my, my ancestry through learning about history mm-hmm. and, and culture and understanding what that means. So for me, it's more about self-exploration mm-hmm. with the frame of ancestral experience because I know that they're there. And it's very difficult for me to connect to them in a very intentional way but I can I can sort of absorb it through a sort of magical osmosis I was gonna that aligns it that with, way. <laughs> with my with a, that aligns with my with my interests and I mean it, it always will incorporate itself into my work like my current altar has a part with ancestral objects on mm-hmm. it and my, there's a shield on my altar that has Scottish coat of arms that I painted my, myself. And there will always be pieces that incorporate itself just naturally. And I think that natural incorporation is what I th- would want ancestor work to go for, that it's not something you think about. It's something that you live. Mm-hmm. so that's 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 what I'm going for. That's why I love wearing my kilt just more often as than not because it's a defiant well, a, it's a defiant act of Scottishness. b, it's a defiant act of gender queerness that I really yeah. enjoy. Um, so it, it's, it's got meaning, uh, and that's always what it should be about is it has meaning. It doesn't have to be rational. It doesn't have to make a lot of sense, but it does have to have meaning. Um, so,
1: um, just to give maybe our listeners something to sink their teeth into, uh, it sounds like your ancestral work is like equip spell, you know, equipments, (laughs) um, uh, like things to wear. And to do the spiritual osmosis, um, that the ancestors will just be with you. And then mine is more—I uh, can't think of another D and D related.
0: Let's let's do D and D this way. Mine is the warlock approach; it just is, and it'll come to me. Yours is the wizard approach. I have to do very specific ritual casting.
1: Oh yeah, a ritual casting, yeah.
0: To, to to do this to do this thing. So for me it's very much they are just there and it'll work out and yours is a very like intense work practice situation.
1: <laughs> Which is funny cuz uh I don't see I don't for me it's not experience as uh as I think I live it just as kind of subtly as you do. I, it's just the the ritual aspects have become just ingrained in the other work that I do, because I'm not very particularly purposeful about doing ritual at these points in time and whatnot. Um, I just kind of slap stick together most of the things that I do. Um, but ancestors just become I- integrally woven into that. I, I try to always call ancestors when I'm doing ritual work, unless I'm in spaces where that is not the best idea, <laughs> which I have been. Right. Um, or I just when I'm journey doing journey work, which I haven't done in a long time. Ba- I shouldn't shame myself. Shame is bad, but I should do, do it more often. Um, I take a trip to the ancestral house. Um, so they're just like they're to me. They're casual things that I just do in ritual space.
0: That's that's really fair. Um, I I will say also that from my perspective is is that it. Sh- there should be a level of um, exploration involved. Yeah. So f- figuring out what weird little alleyways your ancestral experience goes down. So for example, for me, it's discovering like Scottish history and how weird and interesting it can get. So like that 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 chord that seems very singular can start to branch. Like the Gaelic part, the Pictish part combination of the two the brythonic parts is that in there so figuring out how that tapestry weaves itself is really important Mm -hmm. and and then also just being willing to be a little bit absurd because family's
1: always absurd (laughs) like it would be boring if it wasn't (laughs)
0: It's true. And I have to admit, one of the most fun parts about doing ancestor work for me is it's the only time that I think it's that it is, at least in my tradition, that is it acceptable to eat or drink offerings yourself because you embody your ancestors. So if you're making an ancestor offering, you say, here's to the ancestors and then drink it or eat it yourself. Whereas if it's a deity or the fair folk or spirits, you should be giving it to them in nature rather than yourself. So if you're like, ooh, I really want to make an offering to the ancestors and you're like, oh, cool, I get to taste this. <laughs> um so there's that one really self-serving ridiculous part of it
1: yeah uh also another a really good way to just like throw ancestors because I ancestors for me is one of those things that you can kind of just throw in anywhere because there's really True. never not an inappropriate time to bring up ancestors because that's literally just your fam your squad like yep it's never not appropriate to invite your family over um so, I love just throwing it into ritual. Like, I love uh, casting a circle and, you know, calling deities and all that, you know, doing the whole nine yards of high aesthetic ritual magic. Um, and then just, you know, following it up with, uh, we don't know how this will go, so we're just going to call our ancestors. Because who better to back you up when you're dealing with a new deity, uh, a deity who the relationship maybe is tumultuous for whatever reason? Who better to back you up than your fam? Like just bring them in. Yeah. Remember, if you're doing group rituals with people who are not your family or not in close community relations, to ask your ancestors to leave their weapons at the door because ancestor fights oh, have been yeah. known to actually break out. <laughs> it's it's really, watching, it's really weird watching. It's really weird watching ethereal ancestor fights. Um, but they do happen, <laughs> especially if you and people you're doing ritual with have tumultuous uh, histories. Um, both really bad like we're talking war and genocide, but also just like, uh, blood feuds you didn't know existed.
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I find it most interesting, like, when ancestor fights happen from peoples who are, like, a really long time ago, like, it's like the Gales v. the Picks, it's like, y'all, like, that's been over for a while. But they don't like, almost know almost 2,000 <laughs> years a
1: while. But they don't but know that. that. that memory it's so fresh. Is not,
0: their their memory is fresh in a time long ago, so it's They're then like there's that is that <laughs> that is that act that that aspect too is that there is there is lessons to be learned from a long time ago that mm-hmm. ancestors can give you access to, and it's <sighs> and much like our episode, it can be a sort of stream of comp- consciousness experience where it doesn't always make sense immediately and it doesn't always make sense in a like it'll be like this is absolute nonsense and then suddenly click it's relevant you're like oh okay i get it isn't
1: that just how like i think of it as grandma grandma advice your grandma's advice never makes sense when she tells you it but it always makes sense two weeks later when it slaps you in the face because you chose to ignore it in the moment
0: i mean yeah (laughs) yeah Um, that that feels about
1: right so colin do you have any advice because this is something that has come up more so with uh, working with this kind of this this group of students and doing that kind of mentor esque work. Do you have any advice for folks who are like afraid of approaching ancestor work, whether that's because they've had a rough familial existence or they're just like nervous about it because it fe- it feels so intimate to do ancestor yeah. work? Well,
0: again, as someone who's not super about hyper intentional ancestor work and someone who has a lot of. A lot of prosthetic trauma via ancestors about who they are and what they did. I say the best thing is to find an anchor like an ancestor who can be your sort of guided through and be like, okay, yes, this is fine. You're fine. Um, Rather than trying to face thousands of generations of human beings all at once is have someone who can cut, sort of um, anchor you, especially if someone if it's someone with a living memory, or in my case, not someone who's in living memory, but rather someone else's memory. So not mine, but someone else's, they can really help you to guide you through ancestor work. So that is my biological grandfather, my father's father who died when my father was a child, um, has been that, and and then also, my his wife's grandmother who's the scottish one who's where all the scottish shit comes from like she's interesting i haven't done really intentional work with her but her influence comes through very strongly um so i i'd say find that connection and then move on from there because it can be really intimidating to deal with thousands of years of your ancestors all at once because it goes from just two, three, four, five, to thousands in a couple yep. of, you know, <laughs> generations. So you're dealing with a cast of characters that goes back to our shared human roots in East Africa, you know? And so dealing with that complexity is is a lot. And it gets less and less defined So as you go back. So I think just just trying to find the string like I said like pull yourself along that string mm-hmm. and don't doubt don't doubt it. It's not a flimsy string. it's a good one. just keep yeah. going <laughs> and and stick to it. Like you can explore other strings that's great and weave them together but really find the thing that makes you feel strong and you trust and then reel yourself in with it yeah that's that's the key in my mind. Do you have any advice in that regard?
1: Um, I think the only advice besides that, because I think finding your anchor, um, and I think the way I went about that was I went from folks in my living memory. So I went like grandparents first. I had a grandmother who had just passed when I started to really do magic work. And I was like, we got along. Her family's interesting. So that's where I started. I started with someone who was literally in my living memory, um, who I knew would have a very strong form uh to work with so yes that i also you know this is going to be a blanket statement so it's not going to be true for everyone which is the unfortunate thing it's not nothing is true for everybody um but i really encourage folks to this is one of those places i really push folks to 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 take the risk in if this is ever if there's ever an opera ever a time to take risks, it's doing ancestor work and i only say that just because Family is probably, whether that's communal family, found family, um, blood family, families are some of the strongest relationships and connections that really exist. Like They are foundational to civilization. It's families grouping together and deciding to collectively care for each other and not just, you know, you're old enough to feed yourself, go off and survive. So it's going to be messy, but it's one of the messes that, I think nine times out of ten, I, it just pans out beautifully. Yeah. So often, so if there's ever a time to take a risk to really face the fear, this is one of those times because, and there are lots of ways to go about it. You know, if thinking of them purely as lessons and not, you know, your grandmother's going to come back and scold you uh, if you had a bad relationship or a, a, a family member who is who is, you know been bad like if if those scare you thinking about them purely as lessons who kind of lose all physical meaning might help be comfort but again this is some of the most potent magic that I think just like exists and whether or not you use it specifically like you are someone who focuses on ancestor work or you use it to help bolden and deepen the other work that you do it's just so potent that it's something that I really if there's ever a hard truth that I have Accessing ancestral power is just one of those things that at some point you should you should just dive into, and try out. Like this is the place to take a risk.
0: Absolutely, and in 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 that vein, um, I think that if you have a um, a significant other or a partner or partners that um, you feel really strongly with, that doing ancestor work together can be really impactful towards mm. your relationship. And this isn't like, oh, I've dated someone for like two weeks, two let's do <laughs> ancestor work. No, 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 This is like very intentional that you can do together or even friends, you know, you don't have, it doesn't have to be romantic or sexual in a origin, just with your friends can really, I think, help deepen the connections um, there and understand what, uh, what they are
1: holy shit that's a really good idea for uh, a sour ritual maybe not this year it's a little short notice but uh weaving together ancestral families to like build really strong connections with people you just think of as family that would be such a powerful thing to do yeah i
0: mean weaving together (laughs) yeah it's weaving you are taking the the tapestry i know we're using we're mixing our metaphors because first it was soup all right let's separate them of course it's weaving the, our tapestries together and stirring our soup together is, is oh yeah is, is it's 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 making <laughs> it's it's making family, soup. Really <laughs> family soup strongly and yeah, so that's a really i good think that's a really idea. really important practice um and it, it it is a little ride or die like i'm not gonna lie once you do it you cannot do it
1: But this is part of the risk. If you find someone that is that potent for you, even if you decide to go your separate ways, like there are people in my life I've gone separate ways amicably, but we still have, maybe not ancestral because we didn't do that type of work, but there's still like a connection there. Yeah, we don't talk to each other every day and probably won't for the rest of our time, but leaving that thread together wouldn't be so bad if we had done it. Like if you feel strong that strongly about someone, sometimes there are things worth taking a risk on. There are always methods to clean Absolutely. up later.
0: <laughs> Absolutely, and and you, and much like family, sometimes things don't always work out, but you're still, still related family. to them. Yeah. So, yeah, and on that note, also a great piece of ancestor work that you can do right now with the people who are alive in your family is family um, stories.
1: Sorry, family I just thought of family stories. stories.
0: Collect those stories, work together, but also, you know, spend the time to try, I know it's hard, I know it sucks, trust me, I know, but like, educate your family. Try to pull your family kicking and screaming into the future of less shittiness, especially yep. now. Like, There's never especially a good time at, if, to if you up. are If you are a white person, please, 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 as uncomfortable as it is, invest in educating and trying to get your family members to not, you know, be shitty
1: especially the um, ones who still have who are like still very much leading lives and building ancestral legacies. Yes. <laughs> Your younger siblings, young nieces and nephews, like the 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 current and future generations like get their acts together. <laughs> Even if yeah. it's kicking and screaming, you got a nephew that is part of maybe a racist homophobic family and you're like, "God, I wish I could talk to them." Do it. Do it. Yeah. Just do it child Buff, just do it. Just do it. I
0: know you can do it. I know you can do it. And that's also if you need support, that's what we're here for.
1: You know, we'll be your ancestors. Oh God! Now that I say that, people oh, are gonna just start calling. Yeah, don't, don't all the time. Yeah.
0: Wait let, till I'm let, dead. We'll have a conversation. Yeah, we'll have a conversation. <laughs> don't don't just start invoking us out of nowhere because that's gonna be weird, weird feelings.
1: I want to do it partially for the research just to be like, what does it feel like? But that's just my curiosity. That's probably going to kill me one day. (laughs) I mean, worse things have happened. True.
0: So Ian, do you have any final remarks or should we move on to just uh, wrapping up?
1: no i think i think we touched on everything again in a cronish path we kind of did the middle then some of the beginning then some of the end then we kind of went back to the beginning again um and then we finally found ourselves on a a, a nice heartfelt ending about the beauty of families regardless of their form function or existence so absolutely
0: <laughs> so i would like to um do some i would like to say that we have some really interesting news in that um we have new listeners from many different places, and I really, really, really encourage everyone to, you know, reach out if you have ideas, thoughts. Or share our in. podcast.
1: Build a, 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 an ancestral legacy of this podcast. That's a little hubris of me, but, you know, I'm proud of what we do. So share this. Help us build our family here, sort of. In a little bit of a less direct connected way but help us build this community
0: the crowd community
1: the batshit crazy community we're gonna do it kicking and screaming
0: no so so yeah contact us come talk to us please um I, I know that we have viewers in Scotland now, and I'm very sorry for some my inaccuracies and or enthusiasm from time to time. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so what are our contact details, Ian?
1: Uh, you can follow us on several different social media sites. You can follow us on Facebook at Singular Crone Porch. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Crone's Porch, uh, C-R-O-N-E-S-P-O-R-C-H. I think I spelled that right. Sorry, me and editing, if it's wrong and you have to cringe hear me spell it wrong. Um, and then you can also email us, cronesporch at gmail.com. We're pretty active on Instagram. Twitter has become me just uh, tweeting uh, revolutionary and communist uh, things and fun articles. Mostly things from international peace organizations. But... <laughs> it's become my repository for that Uh, but we're pretty active on Instagram as of late we've been pretty active as of late so yeah that's where we're on the internet Uh, we're also you know on Spotify iTunes podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts so uh, feel free to follow us there give us a like I think you can rate and subscribe on certain platforms send us to your friends share us I'm running out of things to say. (laughs) No,
0: we're good. It's gonna be it's just one of our more stream of consciousness episodes. Those are fun. Um, So I think that with that, I will say slan.
1: And I will say those danya.
0: And I hope that you can connect with your ancestors. Bye bye.